Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Joined now by Bruce Pearl, Auburn men's basketball coach. What did you think when you saw the brackets? You're the number four overall seed in the Midwest. Do you think about the way the season ended? Do you think about the season from top to bottom? Or do you just forget about everything and focus immediately on what has to happen on the bracket? What is the experience like when you see your name pop up on that screen? Clay, I think you focus right at the, uh, at the end of the year and and what you got to do from this point forward. We got a we have a tournament in San Diego with three other teams and uh, Clemson and New Mexico State, College of Charleston and Auburn are going to be playing for a chance to go to the Sweet Sixteen, and 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 that's how that's how that's the first thing I think of. That's how you break it down. I think the second thing is you look at the Midwest region and you got Kansas number one, you got Duke number two. Michigan State number three and Auburn number four, all household names in college basketball. <laughs> nothing, nothing but the elite. Uh, your team down the stretch, you lose on Friday early at noon. What do you tell your team in the locker room right after that loss? Well, I told them I said we're probably going to be a you know a three, four, five seed. I talked about the four thirteen, the the five twelve. You know the, the way that is. That's going to be everybody's upset pick. And but the good news is anybody in that pod or whatever is good enough to be anybody else. Um, so don't don't uh, don't presume anything. Um, you know, if you I think Clay, if you break it down in a compartments of you know we just got to win two games to be one of sixteen teams left. That's something that this basketball team is capable of doing. And uh, try to try, try to paint that picture for them. You have to travel, I believe, all the way out to San Diego. Um, how do you adjust the schedule, if at all, in relatively short amount of time? Do you think at all about where the games are being played? Take us into the preparation now that you know who you're playing against. What are the next couple of days like for your team? 
Well, we, you know, last night we, we the coaches worked pretty late to, to get a real good hard look at Charleston, um, and uh, they're good. Uh, there's there's a reason why they've been very very successful. They got some dudes and they they, they know how to play. Um, it'd be a tough match. It's gonna be a tough matchup for us. Really really good guard play. Um, today we'll practice. Tomorrow we'll practice. We'll probably travel um, Tuesday night and and get some of the travel out of the way so that we can be on the ground for a couple of days uh, before we we play the game. Uh, we'll have some offsite practices and um, and we like Friday at four thirty. When you look, you just said you got Kansas, you got Duke, you got Michigan State, and you've got Auburn. Uh, the SEC also got eight teams into the NCAA tournament, which shatters prior records. If I had told you before this season starts, uh, when some guys are out there predicting that your team's going to go four and fourteen in the SEC, if I had told you that you were going to be a four seed with this Auburn team, what would your reaction have been in the preseason? Um, no, no way. You know, I just no, no, no way with a few other words involved. Um, you know, I mean, I said before, I said before the season that I thought this was an NCAA tournament team. Uh, I've never said that since I've been at Auburn um, because I do. I, I felt like it was. We had enough experience coming back from a year ago. Um, we won 18 games, which was the second best season Auburn had had in like 14 seasons. We had eight guys back, six of whom who played. This year, and, and that experience of, of of not winning a lot of close games a year ago, not making free throws, not ending possessions with a rebound, not not getting back in transition, cost us postseason a year ago. We fixed almost all those things during the course of the season. Now the problem for us is this: you know we were down to nine guys all year long after the suspensions. Well, and then Anthony Macklemore. He, he, he dislocates his ankle and breaks his, you know, his foot six games ago. We're two and four without him. Uh, you know that's not that's not exactly hot going into the NCAA tournament. But this team still is good enough to be able to advance in this in this field. You, you mentioned like the hot and not hot as you go into the NCAA tournament. You took to Tennessee to six straight uh, NCAA tournaments. You took Wisconsin-Milwaukee to a Sweet 16. You took Tennessee literally about as close as you could get to the Final Four. A variety of different teams over those years in terms of how well you were playing when you went into the tournament. How much does that matter? Uh, in, in other words... How much of the NCAA tournament is a brand new season, effectively, and how much of it is an extension of what already has taken place? Certainly, at the end of the season, as you came into March. Well, you know, I I, I think um, it, it's not the same in any given year. It, it does change, but if you are playing good basketball and you're defending efficiently and you're healthy, and the guys are looking at the rim and it looks like the ocean. They feel like they can throw it in there. The, the hoop's so big. I, I definitely think you have a better chance of maintaining that as you go into the tournament. Um, the, the SEC was a grind. I mean, it was it was night in and night out. Every night, somebody was capable of being. And Clay, one of the things that you and I talked about was the fact that Tennessee and Auburn won this conference was because we didn't always play well. But every night, those two teams brought it. Those two teams was we're excited about playing and brought the effort and the energy. Listen, cream rises to the top come tournament time. The talent usually does because this is it. 
and, and everybody is obviously fired up and engaged. I think the great challenge for our ball club heading into this opening round is I've been on the other side. I've been a play when I was at Wisconsin Milwaukee. That's like the College of Charleston. Like, this is their one shining moment. They they won the CAA, which was terrific. They've done it before, but this this is what they've been waiting for all season long. Our guys going through the grind of the SEC. No, we, you know we've expended we've had to expend a lot of energy to win the SEC. Now I got to get my guys this week as excited, as hungry. And, and, and as, as, as College of Charleston, that's the key for me. What's it feel like in those moments right before tip? How much more nervous is uh, your team in general for the NCAA tournament as opposed to a regular season basketball game? T- take us into the locker room. What are those moments? And you've been there a lot of years now. I think seven different years you've taken teams to NCAA tournaments. You've taken them to big games in that tournament. But as those moments tick down before the game actually starts, does it feel perceptibly different in the locker room than it otherwise does for other games? There's no question. It does because of the field that you're out there with, the teams that you're competing with. uh, The moment is so much bigger. It is sudden death. You know, it's survive in advance. And what I want to try to look at is the opportunity that's in front of us. Two wins from the Sweet 16. Uh, well, if we lose this game, we get upset uh, and, and the season's over. No, no. Let's look at the opportunity. Let's look. Let's let's continue to write history. You know, they're going to say, eight, is eight enough? Or, or is eight not enough? Because that's all we got. We got eight guys. And is that going to be enough? If you could, if, and this team can continue to make history. You uh, And I appreciate you joining us. We're talking to Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl. You watch a lot of college basketball outside of the teams that you break down. When you look at this NCAA tournament field and you think about all the guys that you've played and all the teams that you've seen as you scouted and everything else, am I crazy to think this is as wide open as a tournament we have seen in a very long time? Or do you also see it as one? I know it can happen every year, but legitimately where anything can happen. Anything can happen. It's as wide open as anything I've ever seen. You know, you just, you just, I mean, you look at uh, the the top teams. They've all got warts. They've all got they've they've all got things that make them vulnerable. And I do I do think that uh, that that you you could have uh, a, a Final Four that um, that that clearly will not be four one seeds. No doubt at all. Bruce, I know you've got a lot scheduled this morning. I appreciate you waking up early with us. Good luck breaking down everything with College of Charleston, and we'll be watching uh, when you guys take the floor. Clay, thanks a lot, man. That is Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl joining us early here live on the show. Just got his bracket assignment yesterday. Auburn, the four seed in the Midwest, Kansas, Duke, Michigan State. Auburn will be taking on College of Charleston. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. He's up early in the desert. I'll be going out there on Wednesday to get ready for the NCAA tournament. Todd Furman, for those of uh, those of uh, the people out there listening to us right now who have never been in Vegas for the NCAA tournament, how would you describe it as a Vegas resident, what it's like? It really becomes pure, pure chaos. So for any sports fan out there that hasn't 
been able to partake in some of the festivities for the opening weekend. You should put it on your sports bucket list. I mean, 48 games, wall-to-wall action beginning Thursday, carrying you all the way through Sunday. It's always fascinating, as you've seen firsthand, Clay, to watch some of the folks who come into the room early Thursday morning for that first tip-off about 9 o'clock local time and watch their body language change throughout those 96 hours because they almost look beaten down and broken, even if they're winning all the bets. Typically, Vegas is a team advancing to the Sweet 16 over the individuals. There's no doubt at all. Also, it's underrated how early the games start in Vegas, especially for people who come from the eastern, uh, the East Coast, Central Time Zone, even the Mountain Time Zone, because those first games, I mean, I, don't, I think a lot of people get to Vegas and they're like, yay, I'm in Vegas, it's awesome, I'm going to celebrate, I'm going to stay up late Wednesday and Thursday. The games tip off at like 12, at 9.15 in the morning there. So hey, that, if you're going to come out here for that drinking. and you want to partake in some of the nightlife as well, you better get your sleep in on Monday and Tuesday nights because 9 a.m. definitely gets there early, especially when you're stumbling out of some of the adult establishments or the nightclubs around 4 or 5. Just get used to and convince yourself that you can function fully on about 9 to 12 hours of sleep. Uh, so what do you like the most here as you look at the brackets? When I, I've broken them down, and I think the Midwest is by far the toughest Kansas, Duke, and Michigan State. Duke and Michigan State, two of the top four favorites. I think the flip side is, if you're a Villanova fan, you got an absolute gift from the committee because you get Villanova, Purdue, Texas Tech, and Wichita State as your top four. I actually think there's a play here to take West Virginia or Florida, potentially, if you want to take a flyer on an upset in the eastern bracket. South and west also pretty stacked, but to me, the Midwest, the most difficult the East, the easiest. What would you say when you saw these brackets come out? I think when you try and break down the Midwest, I've been skeptical of Kansas all season. Not going to take anything away, though, from them winning their thousandth conference championship <laughs> regular season title in a row or the effort that we saw a little bit undermanned against West Virginia in the conference championship. But when you have all those blue bloods and a potential Sweet 16 that could see the Dukes, the Michigan States, and the Kansases there, I think it sets up for a fascinating development. I do think the four seed there, Auburn, it's a team that slumped late in the season after losing their big man in Anthony McLemore. You mentioned the East and Villanova. I mean, this is a team without any seniors on their roster, but they've been here and done that. Uh, I think things set up very well for them, although you don't want to sleep on the likes of Purdue or even a Texas Tech side that took on uh, a little, lost a little bit of its luster late in conference play given the injury to Keenan Evans when he was about 3 for 19 over a three-game stretch. They've started to figure things out, and Chris Beard makes an excellent choice for candidate, you know, for coach of the year. When we look at the South, uh, I think uh, the road to getting to the Sweet 16, a potential round of 32 game between Arizona and Kentucky, going to be more than intriguing. Cincinnati, should they be the one to be on a crash course to take on Virginia? I'm not sure they'll be able to muster more than 40 points offensively, but I think the West is the bracket that's the most wide open. Xavier grossly overseeded. We actually had them 14th in our bet the board power 16 poll. Little to say they haven't been deserving of that number one line. And I think Gonzaga is a team that's flown in under the radar. Maybe not as talented as last year's edition, uh, but a side that should be relishing the opportunity to go through the likes of Ohio State and maybe Xavier before getting to the Elite Eight. What do you look at in terms of decisions on what to gamble on? Everybody fills out the brackets increasingly. More and more people, it feels like every year, also are playing the lines here. When you get into some of these early round games, the ones versus the 16s, the twos versus the 15s, the spreads are sometimes substantial. How do you assess gambling value in the NCAA tournament? What's a good lesson, if any, or lessons that you have learned? 
Well, one of the things uh, I think that becomes an exercise in futility for some of the recreational bettors out there, don't spend all your time learning everything there is to know about some of these lower seeds. If you haven't grown accustomed to watching the South Dakota states of the world or the Bucknells throughout the regular season, you don't need to waste your time handicapping those games because more often than not, they're going to be one and done. Focus on some of the power conference teams that you've grown accustomed to. The 8-9 matchups with the likes of Missouri and Florida State or Seton Hall and NC State. Given that level of familiarity, because that's going to give you the best opportunity to try and exploit the prices that are out there. Uh, and remember, you don't have to bet every single game on the board on Thursday or Friday. You can use the, those games kind of as scouting and take full advantage of some of the overcompensation or undervaluation that books will make for the second-round games that we'll see unfold on Saturday and Sunday. What about the play-in games? Is there any value? Those start tomorrow and obviously on Wednesday. you got Radford against Long Island, UCLA against St. Bonaventure, Texas Southern against NC Central, and Syracuse against Arizona State. Have you found any value uh, over the years in the play-in games? Or uh, I know a lot of people are so excited to start gambling that they jump in on these on Tuesday and Wednesday. Anything that you've learned or anything that you like about those four? Haven't found a whole lot as far as trends are concerned, looking to gain an edge over the bookmakers in these particular spots. You want to try and dive into some of the X's and O's. The UCLA-St. Bonaventure game, two teams, I won't quite call mere images of one another, but that rely on their guard play. UCLA, not exactly as talented without the services of Lonzo Ball as a team we saw. They get bounced out by Kentucky last season. St. Bonaventure, a trio of talented guards. But you do have to wonder how the travel could impact the Bruins uh, as they'll be going to three different time zones uh, to make their Dayton-Dayton for the Tuesday night tip. When you look at Arizona State and Syracuse, a little bit of extra time for ASU, but two teams that kind of slumped down the stretch. ASU much smaller, where Syracuse's 2-3 zone can oftentimes pose some challenges. As far as the 16-seed matchups between LIU and Radford uh, and North Carolina Central, such... Uh, those are games that I think you leave those to the professional betters. They're going to have a much better read on those teams than some of the recreational folks looking to try and do a crash course in four programs that are definitely going to be one and done. Any games that you like in particular early? I know the lines have just come out on Thursday and Friday, but they're all effectively out now. Any immediately to you, you were like, oh, I love this one. I think Rhode Island, a uh, modest one, one-and-a-half-point favorite against an Oklahoma team that really struggled down the stretch. Uh, reports are tr- tr- you know, Trey Young not seeing eye-to-eye with some of his teammates, and URI defensively going to be a very tough out there. The real question, can they score enough to get you a comfortable victory? So the Rams are on my radar. New Mexico State, they're extremely athletic on the wing. And Clemson, they had a major injury. Yes, they played well enough to get into the tournament and were going to be a high seed. I'm a little bit skeptical their power rating has caught up, so it wouldn't shock me at all if the Aggies are able not only to cover uh, as four-and-a-half, five-point dogs, but maybe win that game outright. And South Dakota State, uh, for me, as an eight, eight-and-a-half-point underdog, I think you're going to see some money uh, come in there. Ohio State, one of those teams that surprised a lot of people given how well they've performed. But if you can slow down Kata Bates-Diop, this is a roster that really lacks other talent and ancillary scoring. If you were making wagers on future bets, first of all, do you like them at this point now that the brackets are out? Nova is plus 350. I believe they're the favorite. Duke 5-1, to UVA 6-1, to Michigan State 6-1, to uh, Michigan 10-1, to Purdue 12-1, to Arizona 15-1, to Kansas and North Carolina 18-1. to There's roughly the top eight or so. Are there teams that you look at and you say, man, I love the value on these teams to win it all? Well, for me, if you're looking at some of the top seeds, oftentimes, Clay, you're going to get better value rolling over the money line. And what I mean there yeah. is just starting with a dollar amount. 
whether it's 100 bucks and betting the likes of Villanova on the money line every single game they played because it's going to give you a better ROI over the course of six games if seeds hold. Now, if you're looking further on down the list and you want to go outside maybe those eight teams we mentioned, I think Gonzaga at 25-1, to 1, uh, their potential road. I actually make them favorites over the winner of the Ohio State-South Dakota State game, which would be interesting because I believe they played the Jack Rapids in the opening round of the tournament last year as well. And then the other quadrant, the winner of the Xavier-Missouri-Florida State matchup, there's a chance that Gonzaga would only be a one-and-a-half to two-point underdog against Xavier, maybe even closer to pick. So you're not going to get the same return with betting Gonzaga on the money line and rolling them over as you would the Michigan State's, Villanova's, Virginia's of the world thinking that they can get to San Antonio. No doubt at all. Is this a, a when you look at the overall tournament in general, I think certainly what somebody like myself would say is this is a wide-open tournament. Would Vegas agree based on the way the seeds have come down and the futures odds and also these opening lines? Or is there more of a gap between the top 10 and 15 teams maybe than your average person is recognizing? Well, I think there's 8 to 10 teams that are maybe a cut above everybody else out there. But it seems every year that we want to say it's more wide open and we're going to see some unique situations start to unfold that the seeds typically hold. Now, I know last year South Carolina was able to get to the Final Four, and inevitably we're going to find one team outside of those Power 16 lines probably get to San Antonio. But when you're filling out your brackets and you're looking to try and identify futures, folks want to claim ownership of Cinderella or that they saw this coming well in advance. Typically, it's the programs we expect to be there that are going to have the best chances to cut down the net. Last question for you, and it has nothing to do with the NCAA tournament. We're talking with Todd Furman up early with us out in the desert as he gets ready for the NCAA tournament wild week of action. Have you seen OJ out and about at all anywhere in Vegas, and did you see any of that, ex- any of that expose last night, that interview that aired? I watched part of it, and it makes you wonder who's doing OJ's PR and advising him on some of these decisions instead of trying to just slink off into the shadows, try and live your best life. Rather curious, uh, to say the least. I have not actually seen OJ out here, but I know plenty of folks, as he lives in one of the more prominent areas on the west side of town, that said anytime he uh, leaves his house and wants to walk around the country club, there are always groups of people around him, and has created that you know, star-studded fandom that people just want to be around him for whatever reason. There's no doubt at all. It's very strange. We're going to play that audio for everybody out there in the final segment of the show this morning. Trust me, you're not going to want to leave your cars. Call in late to work. Tell them you had to listen to what happened, what Clay's about to play on the radio in the final segment. Todd Furman, I'll see you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, probably out in Vegas. Look forward to it, my man. Always a pleasure, Clay. Safe travels out to the desert. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.